What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a sports ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Those two accounts, specifically EthosFantasyBB, are where we're going to post all of our baseball and fantasy baseball content this offseason and, of course, heading into next year as well. So make sure you're following over there. If you're somebody who is interested in producing content, whether it be written or audio, you know, podcasting work, uh, please do reach out to either myself or Dan Bespris at D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. I'm sure you guys already know Dan, but if not, he hosts our basketball show. He runs our AV audiovisual department. So reach out to him if it's for basketball or whatever. If it's on the baseball side, you can send a message to me. Any other sports, you know, you can reach out to any of us. We'll get you in touch with the right people. But specifically here, we're still looking for baseball writers and podcasters. So if that is something that you are interested in, please do uh, holler at us. That'll be it for the preamble. We're going to get into the show here with our final shortstop show and maybe not our final one for the entire offseason. We'll talk about it later on as we approach drafts again. But it's going to be our final look at shortstops now in our initial positional review shows. If you are new to the program here, we've been doing these since the season ended. We're looking back on every single position. Mostly we've done three shows. It's varied a little bit. We did two for catcher. We're doing four here for shortstop because there's still a few more guys I want to get through. We've talked about most of the fantasy-relevant guys, but there are still a few that have slipped through the cracks here because shortstop is the deepest position, uh, arguably, in fantasy. I mean, outfield might take the cake because there are three positions that you you know combine into one. Some sites, you have to actually set a left fielder or some league settings. I played in one league last year where you had to put the left fielder in left field, the center fielder in center, and the right fielder in right. It's kind of annoying. Most places just have all outfield grouped together, so that's generally the deepest position. But shortstop can really make a case as well. Uh, there are 20-plus names that you can feel pretty comfortable drafting next season. So there's a couple more guys we're going to get through today. There are five more names here that we're going to touch on. And now, when I say we're not going to be... I say we're done with shortstop after today. We're still going to mention these guys here and there, but it won't be in such a specific shortstop manner uh, where we're just going through the exact position. Like, we're going to start with O'Neill Cruz today. It's not going to be the last we talk of O'Neill Cruz during this offseason. So do not worry there. Uh, let's get it going, though. Let's start well, off with O'Neill Cruz, who's somebody who... I worry a little bit about drafting so high next year, but we'll, we'll touch on that in a second. Let's look at what he did this season. 45 runs, 17 homers, 54 ribbies, 11 steals, and he batted 233. Now, he did this in 331 at-bats. That's really good. No question, that's really good. And he ended the year on a heater. I forget what he was doing the last month or so, but he was one of the top, one of the top fantasy shortstops that there was over the last month of the season. Now, where he was being drafted this year was 241 on Yahoo, 216 on the NFBC, we weren't sure when he was going to get the call to the bigs. And, I mean, you had to wait quite a while if you did draft him. It was, I mean, if you drafted him in a lot of cases, you probably ended up dropping him and having to re-add him. He played 86 games, but, I mean, you likely didn't just have him sitting on your bench there. Depending on format, you likely didn't have him sitting there for the first 80 games of the season. If you were just playing over on Yahoo or on ESPN, it's likely that you were able to just add him up midseason off the waiver wire, which is obviously a huge score for you. Specifically, if you're in a points league, didn't have to worry about the kind of subpar batting average, then you were gravy. You're absolutely gravy there. Now, where I say I'm worried a little bit for next season about drafting him too high, I think that he's going to be a great asset at shortstop. I think that he is going to be close to a top 10 shortstop, and he could even be a top 5 shortstop. My worry comes in when I look at these early NFBC drafts and I see, well, his ADP isn't really that concerning. At 78, that's probably right for O'Neill Cruz. I'm just trying to think before the show. If he pushed up too much higher than this, I wouldn't really be interested. But below it, it's, it's really a bargain if you're getting him like around pick 100. So this is probably going to be correct around 78, assuming it stays there. 
Where I start to have problems is looking at the minimum pick, and that's 47. That's going to be way too high up for me to take a chance on O'Neill Cruz. We have to remember, I mean, what he can do individually, the home runs and the steals are amazing. Uh, absolutely fantastic. He could be a 30-30 guy. But there's going to be nobody there around him to contribute to counting stats. Didn't really affect him so much this year. I mean, 80-some-odd games there, and he had, what was it, 45 runs, 54 RBIs. If you project that over a whole season, it's close to 100 and 100. He's just not that good yet. He is. He's amazing. He's not that good, though, to have those kind of numbers for a whole season playing in Pittsburgh. I would be incredibly shocked, and I'd throw a lot of money down, that he won't come close to 100 RBIs or to 100 runs next season. The team around him sucks. Brian Reynolds is the only real proper asset. Jack Sawinski, I think, could be a guy. Uh, you know, their catcher, I believe, is Henry Davis. I'm not the greatest with, with prospects. He's supposed to be a, a stud in the making. But if you're looking at just for next season, what's going to be around him, it's not a hell of a lot. You also look at how much he strikes out, and I know the batting average was, was higher in September. It was like 288. But the amount of strikeouts that this guy has, you can't look at him and say he can be a 288 hitter for a whole season. Unless something really changes with the strikeout numbers, which maybe they do. I don't think that they change that much over one season. I think that he'll probably still be you know, a, a high 20s kind of strikeout guy in the bigs this season. He was a 35% strikeout guy. I mean, if he gets it to 30, we'd be happy, I guess. But we can't, we can't be expecting too high of a batting average. That's going to be the big thing, one of the big things, along with the counting stats. So he's going to be a good asset, but if he's not going to be a good asset in round four. I think he'll be a good asset round five, six, and beyond. And, I mean, how far beyond is anybody's guess? I don't think he'll go too far beyond it, but you look at the minimum pick, uh, it was 110. Or, excuse me, not the minimum pick, the maximum pick. The farthest he has fallen in drafts is 110. That should not be the case either. Like, I don't know why he's fallen quite that low, and that's the thing with these early ADPs. There will be some outliers. There will be some guys that have you scratching your head and say, why were they falling that far? Well, in, in one particular draft, it could happen to, to a particular guy, whoever it is, whether it's O'Neill Cruz or Mike Trout or whoever, Jacob DeGrom. There will be individual drafts where people fall. But I think that if you're getting him at 110 on a regular basis, it's, not, it's just you're going to be living in a fantasy world, which I know this is a fantasy world that we're already playing in. But he's going to probably be gone on every draft board or every draft by – pick 100. So if you want to get some O'Neill Cruz, you're probably going to have to invest around where the current ADP is, and it might even just shoot higher up because that's generally how these things tend to work. With a guy like him specifically, we head into next season, and I could see him jumping over one or two of these guys who are ahead of him in ADP. He's um, Right now, he's just behind Corey Seager, just by like they're both 78, but Seager's just a touch above. Uh, Dansby Swanson is going above him, Trevor Story. Jazz Chisholm is going above him. We might see him jump over some of these guys in individual drafts. So it maybe he'll be priced out of your range. But I think if he's going in this similar kind of 70 to 80 range and beyond, you can be pretty happy uh, getting yourself some O'Neill Cruz. Let's move on to the next guy here, Bryson Stott. I was a pretty big Bryson Stott guy when I appeared on Baseball HQ Radio. He was the guy that I mentioned. Patrick asked me to talk about uh, Boons and Banes, which is something he does regularly. He was my boon down the stretch in the National League, and I'm pretty happy with that. He had pretty solid value down the stretch, and he finished up the year. I mean, you wouldn't really think it, but he had 10 home runs, 12 stolen bases, 58 runs, 49 RBIs. He batted 234, which is not great, but I do think that we can see Bryson Stott take a bit of a uh, step forward next season. I don't think he's going to be somebody that you should be reaching too high on, and just quickly we'll look back at this season. He was not even being drafted in Yahoo. He did not have an ADP. And it was 481 over on the NFBC. 
it was nothing. Like at that point, you're not even really. It doesn't even really matter. And you got decent production. You got multiple, uh, double digit home runs and steals out of him. I think that you give him another year in that lineup, especially playing a premium position, you could see him have a lot of fantasy value. Now, he's not going to be someone I'm reaching for. He's not going to be somebody that you have to go too high up the board to get. But if you say, you know, you want to wait on shortstop or you need to fill in another middle infielder later on down your draft, I think he should be somebody that you take a look at. He could give you 15 home runs, 15 steals, you know, 70-ish runs and RBIs. He played 127 games this year. Maybe we see that go to 140. <clears throat> excuse me there guys maybe we see him go to 140 games I think that that's possible I think he can give you something similar to what he did this year which isn't going to blow you away but it's still going to be decent value now let's see where he's going in drafts this season I can't imagine it's too high up the board 218 at that range I feel fully confident taking a shot on him at second and short with that eligibility uh, you know, especially you put him in at second base. Maybe you don't even think about it from that perspective, but you're drafting him to play second base. Maybe you take an early shortstop and then you get Bryson Stott here in round 15, 16, whatever it is. And he's a great value. So uh, I'm not going to be huge on him. We're not going to be jumping up the board to grab him. But if you're getting into this range, you still need a middle infielder. You should feel very confident drafting Bryson Stott. We've seen firsthand in the last few weeks that lineup is actually, I mean, it's better than we thought. Maybe it's not going to be doing this every single year, going to the World Series. Not that kind of production, but, you know, if Harper stays healthy, if Castellanos and everybody else stays healthy, Schwarber, then you got a really good core around Stott there, and maybe he pushes up in the batting order. Maybe he's not batting, you know, seven, eight, nine kind of range. Maybe we do see him probably not lead off or second, but maybe he does bat like fifth or sixth or something. I think it's possible. Still a long way to go, but as of right now, I'm pretty confident uh, in Bryson Stott for next year. Now, the next guy we're going to talk about is not somebody that I am particularly confident about, but he had an all right season, and I think that he is going to be worth talking about here, not for a long time. And that's another thing. Today's show is not going to be a long show. This is just wrapping up kind of the loose ends with shortstop. But the next guy we have on the list here is Jose Iglesias. He was not somebody who gave you a ton of value. <clears throat> that is for sure. He batted 292, which was the high, the high stat for him. He had three home runs. He had two steals, 47 ribbies, 48 runs. It was not a great season for him. He was pretty unimpressive. The only reason I'm mentioning him here is because if he were to re-sign in Colorado, he's a free agent, but if he were to go back there, I think that he has some value as a batting average streamer for you head-to-head guys. This is a very small tidbit of information here, but if he re-signs in Colorado, that is the main caveat here. If he goes to another team, then this is out the window pretty much. But if he goes back to the Rockies, coming up on your weekend series, you need a few extra points in batting average, I think that he could be a guy who gives you a bit of a boost in that category. He's not going to do a lot in any other place, but if you're just strictly looking for some batting average help, he can be a guy who can give you a little bit of a boost. And that specific information is not that important. I'll say it right here. We have a long offseason. Not every piece of information can be that important. This is just something to file away. You're not going to, I mean, maybe write it down somewhere. Sure, shit, do whatever you like. But I think that we're going to come up on times next season where – Maybe it's, you know, even if it's Thursday or something and you're looking at the schedule, Rockies have three games against, you know, a poor pitching staff, whoever that may be. I think that there's going to be some value there. Not to say that he is somebody who's going to be drafted or is going to be, you know, a must anything like last season. This season, he was a 6'10 overall pick on by ADP, 610. And coming into this season, uh, I took a look before we started recording here with Iglesias. I think it's like, um, let me see. I think it's in the 600s again. He is 637. He's not going to be drafted, really. Maybe in a, in a draft champions he'll be drafted. 
He's not somebody you have to worry about other than just for streaming purposes here and there when it's a home series. That's it. That's the only reason why I mentioned him. He's all right. There's nothing. I mean, he's not somebody that you can roster. He's a fine enough baseball player, I guess. And there were seasons where he had some fantasy value in, in past. Uh, but at this point, he is going to be uh, strictly a streamer for me. Let's talk about a couple more guys here. Brandon Crawford. We had kind of big expectations for Brandon Crawford. I mean, some higher than others after last season. He was drafted as pick 210 on Yahoo and 212 on the NFBC, which is maybe even a little bit lower than I, what I was expecting. I thought people would jump on him. I thought people would look at last year and say, yeah, I don't have to go for early shortstop this season. I can go for Brandon Crawford a little bit later on and probably get, you know, I don't think we were expecting exactly what he did last season, but something kind of similar. And it was nothing close, nothing even remotely close to what he did last year. 29 fewer runs, 15 less homers, 38 less RBIs, 10 fewer steals, and he batted 70 points lower, just about 70 points lower. That's brutal. And Brandon Crawford is now into the point of his career where he's not going to be someone who's easy to draft. If you want to take a flyer on him very, very late, maybe you do it. But it's hard to even recommend to even say where to go in that range. Right now, he's going as pick 450 uh, in these early drafts. Yeah, I guess. Like, he's going to be a real late-round kind of guy if you're going to take him. And I don't think that there's going to be a ton of value in taking him. Just looking at the guys around him right now, Santiago Espinal going five picks ahead of him. I would definitely take him first there. Um, you know, it's not a great range here, really. Even Joey Wendell is going in the same kind of range. Dylan Moore, I think, I mean, Dylan Moore is kind of a tough one. Kyle Farmer is going a little bit ahead. But all these guys I feel a lot more comfortable with than Brandon Crawford. I think that... Most people are going to be kind of done with him, but there might be still some people who take a chance. Maybe, you know, some people that remember a couple of years ago and remember for his career, he's been an all right asset. There's, there's weird mental parts of this that are not statistical. People who were helped out by Brandon Crawford a couple of years ago might see him sitting there a little bit higher than they maybe should and hit the draft button. So just something to remember here with Brandon Crawford. He's not somebody that we can really trust anymore. Even last season, it was kind of an out-of-the-blue year, and it was incredible. I mean, 24 homers, 11 steals, two I mean, essentially a 300 batting average. He was incredible. But that kind of stage of his career is pretty much uh, in the rear view. So don't be drafting Brandon Crawford. He's not somebody that you should have too much interest in unless you're getting really, really deep into your drafts, and then maybe you take a shot on him. The last shortstop that we are going to talk about today, and I'm probably going to butcher his name because that's just what I do, Ha Xiong Kim. I think that's how it's pronounced. Ha Xiong. Ha Xiong. I'm, I'm really bad with names, so forgive me there. He is the last guy we're going to talk about here in terms of shortstops. Now, I was not really big on him heading into this season. We saw what he did last year. Granted, it wasn't a hell of a lot of playing time, but he wasn't doing so much for you. We saw the potential with some home runs and some steals, but I wasn't really so big on him, and I don't think people really were either. Uh, he did not have an ADP on Yahoo. He was 365 over on the NFBC. People were not really jumping at him, and understandably so. But this season, it was 58 runs, 11 homers, 59 ribbies, 12 steals, and a 251 batting average. That'll totally work for you. It wasn't you know, a high ranking, particularly 263rd, but if he... If you drafted him or if you added him up, you were, you were very happy with that kind of stat line from him. I just want to see exactly how his playing broke down in the field this year and what eligibility he's going to retain. So he played 131 times at shortstop and 24 times at third base. So he'll have those two positions. He will not keep second base, which he had in 2021. 
did not play there even one time this season. So there's a chance that he could play there a little bit more next year and get the position back, specifically with Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back. That is a possibility. So maybe we see him we see him play a little bit more second and during the season pick that up. But he'll start the season with third and shortstop eligibility. Now his draft price right now is pretty appealing. Uh, I had it up here. It's 282. At that point, you're not taking much of a chance. Uh, it's you know round 15, whatever 282 is. Uh, I don't even usually get that deep. But if you're in a 15 teamer, it's round 18, round 19 kind of range. You're not taking much of a risk, and you could have a guy who gives you. You know, even if it's exactly what he did this year, I think you'd take that. You know, 11 homers, 12 steals, 250, and then, you know, 120 roughly runs plus RBIs put together. I think that you'll be totally fine there. We've talked at length about the San Diego lineup. I think it's going to be incredible. It is going to be incredible, assuming that Tatis comes back when he's supposed to. Machado's healthy, Soto's healthy, everybody's healthy. Then we should have an incredible lineup. If Kim is batting literally anywhere in that lineup, but, you know, maybe we get lucky and he leads off. That would be incredible for his value. Like, let's say they set the lineup, Kim 1, Soto 2, Tatis 3, Machado 4, something like that. Then Kim was going to jump into the top 200, I think, for draft picks. He's going to shoot the hell up. It's possible. I don't think it's likely. Now, he did lead off a few times this year, I think. Uh, I'll pull that up while I'm talking here. I don't think it's going to be too likely, but that would be our best-case scenario for Kim. And I don't think it's impossible. I mean, he's a guy who's got some decent speed. Uh, let's take, what was his on-base percentage this season? Um, 325 to his th- uh, 251 average. Not bad. I think it's possible. Maybe it's not likely, but I think it's possible for sure that he could play. Uh, he could lead off or even bat second maybe somewhere at the top of that order. So this season, uh, he led off 17 times. He was eighth, or excuse me, second in the order eight times. Most of the time, he was six, seven, eight, or 9. But there was 25 games there where he was in the top two spots of the lineup. So... That alone, right there, maybe he plays, you know, even if it's the same amount of games, probably, which is, what was it, 150 games he played this season. was pretty good. Let's say he leads off or bats second 30 times next year, and the rest of the time he's somewhere at the bottom of the order. I think given what we're going to have at the top of the order next season, that would be not the reason to draft him, but a reason to not avoid him at that price. You get to that 280 kind of range, and everybody there is kind of, you're throwing a dart at the wall. For being honest, you don't, we don't know anything in that kind of range. If you're going to draft, you know, Ezekiel Tovar, pick 322, is it going to work out? I don't know. You don't know. We have no idea. Kiner Falefa, 370. These guys, in this range and beyond, it's a total total guesswork. But somebody with that kind of upside that Kim has, where a 2020 season is not impossible, I think that that's something that he could have in maybe two, three years. Maybe it's not likely, but it's within the realm of possibility. I think 15 and 15 is pretty likely we saw it even last season, only 267 at-bats, but still eight homers and six steals. He can run those up. Gets the batting average up a little bit higher than the 251 range where it currently is. I think that he's going to be someone really interesting, specifically if his price doesn't go up that much. Now let's take a look at that old minimum and maximum pick. 234 was the minimum pick, and 329 was the maximum. Anywhere in that range, I'd be pretty comfortable. 234. Post pick 200, you're not taking so many chances. Now, if you're compiling like a draft champions, which I'm going to be doing this weekend for the first time, if you're putting together a 50-team or a 50-player roster, then you maybe have to think a little bit harder about guys who have upside and this and that and blah, blah, blah. But regardless of your format, you see Kim sitting there in the late 200s, 282. I mean, I'm taking him there every time. I'm taking him there I think pretty much every single time. He's the 40th shortstop off the board for next season. 
if he stays in that range, then I'm going to have him on a lot of teams. He's not going to be your starting shortstop or your starting third baseman, but put him in a utility slot or even have him as a bench guy. I think that in that range, it, it makes too much sense. That'll wrap it up for me, guys, and that'll actually wrap up our infield shows. We're getting down to our last couple positions. We have outfield, we have starters, and we have relievers slash closers. Probably we'll just do them as one big reliever show. Maybe we'll split it up. We'll see how it goes. But as of now, we have done catcher, first, second, third, and short. And tomorrow we'll pick it up from the elite outfield tier, looking back on 2022, looking ahead a little bit to 2023 as well. If you guys have not already done so, leave a five-star review on the show. That much really helps other people uh, to see it right now, especially this time of year. People aren't really watching baseball stuff, so hitting that five-star, uh, leaving a couple of kind words in the comment section would really help this show to be seen by more folks. If you're not already following on Twitter as well, at JoeOrico99 and at EthosFantasyBB, that's where I can be reached. Guys, we will see you tomorrow. We're going to do the elite tier of outfielders. I'm really looking forward to it, and I hope you guys tune in. Cheers, everybody. Take care.